It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, live from the Dollar Loan Center on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there, Lindsey Brown on the other side of the glass as we talk Henderson hockey, all things all-encompassing. And for this week, that means not only are we going to talk Silver Knights, like, of course, we always do, and we get ready for a meeting with the Ontario Reign tonight at the DLC, but also what's to come this weekend, which is Las Vegas Thunder Night on Saturday, actually at 3 p.m. start. Maybe we should call it Las Vegas Thunder Day. Well, we'll workshop that one, but regardless, uh, it is, I think, going to be one of our most fun theme nights that we've had this season uh, as we celebrate hockey history in the Vegas Valley and uh, a team that really spearheaded the, uh, the momentum for professional hockey in the Vegas Valley, the Las Vegas Thunder. Uh, and, of course, for the, the there were other teams, uh, semi-pro and minor, and, you know, in, in the neighborhood, but the Las Vegas Thunder uh, is where hockey really caught fire in the Vegas Valley, followed by the ECHL's Las Vegas Wranglers and, of course, the Golden Knights and Silver Knights to follow. So uh, it, it's going to be a really fun night, uh, and it's going to, I think, have uh, – so, some room for some 90s flair, if you will. Of course, the Las Vegas Thunder played in Vegas from 1993 to 1999, six seasons. Uh, and during those six seasons, never won at all, but had some really successful campaigns, including their inaugural season, a 115-point season under head coach Butch Goring, of course, an Islanders and Kings legend and currently a member of the New York Islanders broadcasting uh, crew. Bob Strum, the GM throughout, and spent some time behind the bench. Chris McSorley had a tremendous season in 1995-96, 122 points going to the third round of the playoffs before the Vegas Thunder would bow out. Uh, And we'll talk more about this, but so many great uh, alumni who have come through the Vegas Thunder program and so many uh, wonderful people who not only played here and made impact here and helped build hockey here, but stayed here uh, and people that I'm sure you're familiar with as well uh, as the VGK got themselves rooted in the Vegas Valley. It was some of the members of the Vegas Thunder who helped to cultivate that hockey love and helped to introduce this new team at that point uh, to a a very rooted fan base in Vegas for hockey. So uh, it's going to be Las Vegas Thunder night. The Silver Knights will be wearing specialty jerseys, which will be revealed later this week. Uh, the game, of course, Saturday, so you know they're going to come soon, and we've already seen some uh, some breaking news, if you will. Uh, boom, boom, the mascot is going to be in attendance. Uh, we've gotten him out of retirement. We've gotten him into the weight room. He is not he's not been in game shape for quite some time, but he will be by this weekend. So Lucky and Harold and Lady Elaine will have some company. Boom, boom, in attendance. We're hoping to have some of the local Vegas Thunder uh, icons in uh, attendance as well uh, as that comes together, but we'll also have an opportunity to hear from some of the Las Vegas Thunder alumni uh, around the around the hockey globe because uh, a lot of these alumnus, uh, alumni have, have stayed in hockey and are still making an impact in hockey. That includes uh, Manon Rayom, whose stay with the Thunder was, of course, brief. She played in two games, but uh, two iconic appearances in the IHL, and she is right now working in the LA Kings organization. I'm sure we'll hear from her over the course of the next couple of days. Clint Malarchuk, who not only played in Vegas, but coached for Vegas as well. Uh, I know we're going to get a, a video message from him as well. So uh, reaching out to as many as we can, and of course the one of the most, uh, most direct impacts of the Las Vegas Thunder's time uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center and uh, here in on the Strip is 
the most direct impacts for the VGK organization right now is Gage Quinney, son of Ken Quinney, one of the fan favorites and most uh, decorated uh, producers in Las Vegas Thunder history. And, of course, Gage Quinney has been among the top producers for the Silver Knights in their three seasons here uh, in Henderson. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I encourage you, I implore you, if you're a Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Thunder fan, if you've been around a while, if you've got the, the sweatshirts and the starter jackets that you've not been able to break out of your closet since 1999, this is the time. Rock them all over town and bring them down to the DLC as well. Tickets are available at uh, hendersonsilvernights.com for this Saturday's game. Still are good seats available. And for the uh, the members of the uh, Las Vegas Thunder lore that are able to join us on Saturday and are going to be in attendance. If you cannot be here, make sure you're with us on the CW Las Vegas. We're going to have Darren Elliott in the booth, uh, who knows a lot of these guys from his many, many, many different walks in hockey life as well. But we're going to try to get a few of these uh, alumni on the, on the air as well uh, to walk down memory lane with you. And in that effort, in our next segment, we did catch up with Las Vegas Thunder defenseman Jeff Sharples, who has stayed in the Vegas area. He is a local still uh, and still uh, significantly impactful in the growth of the game uh, in Las Vegas. Jeff Sharples did join us, so we, uh, we had a chat earlier today. We'll play that for you in the second segment. So lots to look forward to. And you know what, Lindsay, let me, let me bring you in here. First of all, do you have, uh, I don't want to say memories of the Las Vegas Thunder because I know you're not from here directly, but do you have any recollection or any historical uh, chops for the IHL days? Uh, I don't have a ton, but I do know that I had the Manon Rayum trading cards and had books on her, posters on her. Just any any woman that was playing goalie, which was my position, was a huge deal. And so I, I grew up idolizing her. I actually got to evaluate during some USA hockey uh, uh, tryouts a few years ago. And so whenever she comes back around uh, into town, it's great to catch up with her. Very, very cool. And again, that's it was... And we're going to hear from Jeff directly in our next segment, so I'm not going to give the whole uh, interview away. But, you know, there was a, a Wild West element of the IHL back in those days, and the IHL pretty much uh, directly uh, competing with the AHL at that time for uh, minor league hockey supremacy, a battle that the AHL ultimately won. But with that, some big names came through Vegas, and we'll we'll break down some of that as well. Um, but but some, some big names, some, some impactful stars, uh, and – with with that uh, really entertaining era in in minor league hockey, so cool that Vegas was a part of it, and I'm sure with that uh, you got a very special brand of player in the '90s as well, playing minor league hockey. Not just the the big names and and the stars, but also the characters. Uh, so uh, Jeff goes into that a little bit, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there are fans who have stories and memories of their own. So you know, Lindsay, we never do this on this show. I won't put you on the spot. Hopefully, I don't. Do we have a call in number that we could put out there? Um, I could. De- I have one that's written down on the phone here, and I'm thinking that we could probably give that out. But let me double check with the powers that be just to make sure that we're not giving out something that we shouldn't. That makes sense, and that's why I'm sorry to put you on the spot. But if you do have Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Thunder stories of your own, you're in our audience, you'd like to share. I'd like to hear them. So in the meantime, you know what? You can tweet at us, tweet at the show, uh, at my handle at Brian J McCormick at Brian B R I N J M C C O R M A C K. And uh, we can bring them over the air that way. But if we have a chance later on to put a, a phone number out there, we will do that. But that uh, we'll, we'll get to that if and when we can. But I hope everyone is excited for this weekend. Uh, not only as much uh, as I am, but also as much as the, the alumni themselves are. I, I know a couple of them reached out. They said, hey, we'd like to be a part of this. So I know we're going to see some familiar faces in the stands. That's going to make for a lot of fun at the DLC on Saturday afternoon. For the moment, as we turn our attention to the 
current uh, efforts for the Henderson Silver Knights, who have some work to do. They are still looking for their first victory in 2023 after they came away. Not empty-handed, but uh, with minimal points on their three-game road trip. They had a shootout loss in San Jose to the Barracuda last Wednesday, and then they dropped a pair of one-goal contests Friday and Saturday in Abbotsford against the Canucks. Canucks scoring the game winner in each of those games with less than three minutes to play in regulation time. So for the Silver Knights, you know, it's been a stretch that's felt a little bit more like, uh, I, I suppose, what we experienced in November. December was the Silver Knights getting amazing goaltending, scoring just enough to win, but finding ways to, to find the answer in those one goal or tie games in third period. Now we see the Silver Knights still getting uh, exceptional goaltending, but they're not finding that extra tally. They're not finding that answer late in games, and it's, they're holding on as long as they can, but the offense just isn't there. And for the Silver Knights, they are still last in the league uh, in goals per game. And, and call-ups have had something to do with that for sure, and some players banged up in and out of the lineup. That's something any team goes through, and it, it certainly is an impact. It's not an excuse, but it is a reality. But for the Silver Knights, they, they need to find uh, some offensive chops because – Teams like San Diego that uh, at the turn of the new year, San Diego had seven wins uh, on the season, but were able to take two of three away from the Silver Knights. San Jose last Wednesday, they had lost eight in a row uh, and found the shootout winner against the HSK. Uh, now for the Silver Knights, they're going to face an Ontario Reign team that has a lot of talent uh, and is coming off a shootout win Sunday against the Coachella Valley Firebirds. But that victory for the Ontario Reign snapped a six-game losing streak. So this is a team limping along as well. Silver Knights are right there on the edge of the of the uh, playoff picture still. Uh, and I think for the Silver Knights right now, it's good for them that while they're having a little bit of trouble of late, again, for the Silver Knights, one win in their last eight games, multiple teams that they are chasing or right on the, that playoff cusp right now, Ontario's fifth in the division, are kind of stumbling and limping along as well. So it is a time when, for the Silver Knights, their struggles aren't dropping them any further back in the picture. This is an opportunity to take leaps forward, and uh, you know they want to make uh, take advantage of that, especially over the course of this next really five-week stretch uh, where they're going to play 10 of their next 12 games at home. This is a massive, massive window of opportunity for the Silver Knights to make a move uh, because after, if you're going to play 10 out of 12 at home, you're going to pay the Piper somewhere else, and it'll be right on the other side of that stretch. For the Silver Knights, it's 10 of 12 at home, and then in late February, they start a stretch of, I believe, 10 of 13 on the road or something of that uh, vicinity. So uh, a very, very important uh, next few weeks for the Silver Knights, uh, and they kick it off against the Ontario Reign tonight, and then the Calgary Wranglers, who they will see for the first time this season, Friday and Saturday, and that is a team that has been at the top of the division for pretty much uh, the start of November onward. That's a high-powered team, just like they were in Stockton last season, so we have a sense of what to expect uh, in that matchup. That makes tonight all the more important. Mentioned the Silver Knights have been getting good goaltending still, and over the weekend they got uh, terrific goaltending. After Yuri Patera had a tough first period on Friday, he was staunch the rest of the way, gave the Silver Knights a chance. On Saturday, Laurent Brassois was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and on more than one occasion, it was of the 10-bell variety. Laurent Brassois was the highlight reel, so you might as well hear it again right now. The third period. Here's Hoaglander on the attack. Drives to the net, and a save made by Brassois. Hoaglander turned on the afterburners. He beat everyone to the front, and Brassois reaching out with the left pad and partially with the glove, able to keep that off the line. Hoaglander with a burst of speed got around Dilibratory, forehand, backhand, and what a stop by Laurent Brassois dragging the left toe across the goal line. 
to keep that one out as Hoaglander nearly had his second. Carlson cancel each other out. Rempel's clearing attempt was knocked down by Hoaglander and held in. Here's Oman. His backdoor save made by Brassois. Right pad getting across on Linus Carlson. Another 10-bell stop for Laurent Brassois. Laurent Brassois could be half of the highlight reel for tomorrow morning if he continues at this pace because that stop, Oman, a backdoor feed at the left circle. Linus Carlson was opened up for it, ready for the one-timer, and Laurent Brassois flying across. And that was, again, Laurent Brassois, who was absolutely spectacular against the Canucks in a losing effort. And for Laurent Brassois from uh, Port Alberni, uh, British Columbia, he had a lot, a lot of fa- uh, friends and family in attendance on Saturday night. They saw him stop 28 of 30. And if you look back at the stretch of, of Brassois, we, we've talked about this pretty pretty regularly, but go back to the start of December. Okay, so a, a month and change. He has made... Ten appearances. Ten appearances since December the 2nd. And those ten appearances, he has given up more than two goals twice. Twice. He gave up three goals on January 4th against San Jose in the shootout defeat. He gave up five goals against the San Diego Gulls uh, a few days before the new year. Other than that, he has been as close to a brick wall as you can possibly see. So the Silver Knights have still gotten tremendous goaltending from Brassois and from Yuri Patera. You, you could argue it's been the best goaltending battery over the course of the past month and a half uh, in certainly the Pacific Division. You could argue the Western Conference. Uh, for the Silver Knights, they got to start finding some offense. Uh, it doesn't grow on trees. It's not as easy as snapping your fingers. That's why we've been talking about it all year long. But tonight is the first game, statistically, tonight is the first game of the second half of the AHL season, game number 37 of 72. Uh, and the Silver Knights try to get a little bit of offensive liftoff against an Ontario team that's decent defensively, hasn't done a great job uh, putting up goals of, of late uh, either, which is a little surprising when you look at some of the players they have consistently had with them, like Leas Anderson, TJ Tynan, Samuel Fagimo. Uh, Tynan and Anderson, they've been point-per-game players over the last half dozen or so, but uh, it's just not translating to wins for them. On nights that they don't score, they give up two and they lose 2-1. On nights that they do score, they lose 7-6. It's just uh, been... Uh, a, a tr- problem with dictating the the momentum of games for the Ontario reign of late, which has been a little bit uncharacteristic for them, and you're sure they're going to be uh, flying out of the gate tonight as well as they try to get themselves right uh, here in early January. For the Silver Knights, uh, one thing that doesn't help is uh, some other breaking news that happened earlier today. Jake LeCision was put on waivers yesterday by the Golden Knights with the intention of assigning him uh, the intention of assigning him to the Silver Knights, uh, in which case you could imagine he probably would have been in the lineup for the HSK this evening. Don't know that for a fact, but it would be uh, a possibility because it was midday today that they were going to find out whether he got through or not. Uh, he did not. The New York Rangers claiming Jake LeCision off of waivers earlier today, so Jake LeCision is now a member of the New York Ranger organization. Uh, and just unfortunately for the Silver Knights, uh, another example of uh, some bad luck this season as uh, certainly if uh, Jake LeCision had been in the HSK lineup. That would have been a massive boost for them offensively with what Jake LeCision was able to do uh, last season. So he is a VGK prospect no longer, uh, and the Silver Knights will look uh, to make their adjustments there as they do get a couple of players that do arrive back in the lineup to give them reinforcements for tonight. Captain Braden Pahal back with the HSK. He was reassigned by Vegas over the weekend. Braden Pahal uh Two assists in nine games with the Golden Knights and really uh, really nice showing for uh, Bruce Cassidy and his time up there. Uh, but he will be back in the Silver Knights sweater this evening. 
And Michael Hutchinson, who represented Team Canada at the Spangler Cup over the last couple of weeks, uh, he is back in the goaltending battery as well to join Laurent Brassois and to join Yuri Patera. So uh, we'll make sure over the next week or so we'll catch up with Michael Hutchinson and get his uh, Spangler Cup experience because I'm sure it's a tremendous story that he would love to share. But we'll step aside right now, and when we come back, uh, we will get the take on all things Las Vegas Thunder as we caught up with Jeff Sharples, and uh, he'll be happy to give us uh, his recollections, not just of what he did in this town, what his teammates did in this town, but what he continues to do uh, as one of the alumni who has made Vegas their personal home. We'll hear from Jeff Sharples on the other side of the break. You're listening to HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 of the game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. A man become preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Brian McCormick. Back to the DLC, back on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you. Silver Knights in Ontario Rain will go head-to-head this evening here at the DLC. Their fifth meeting of the season. The teams have split the first two down the middle. And Silver Knights fans, uh, as we've discussed, join us this Saturday when the Silver Knights tip their caps to Hockey Heritage in the Vegas Valley with Las Vegas Thunder Night, a 3 p.m. battle against the Calgary Wranglers. Fans in attendance will receive HSK-branded Thunder Sticks and a commemorative poster with fun homages to the former Vegas hockey team featured all evening long. Head to Henderson and bring the Thunder. Visit hendersonsilvernights.com. HendersonSilverKnights.com, and if you'd like to share, we do have the opportunity. If you'd like to call into the show, I don't think we've ever done call in on this show before, but you can call into the show if you want to give us your Las Vegas Thunder stories and memories. Now, here's the catch: we're going to go to a pre-taped interview next, so we're going to probably be about 20 minutes, 25 minutes before we get to you. So the number is 702-221-8982. 702-221-8982. One more time, 702-221-8982. If you want to call in, again, we won't get to you until uh, the latter 15 to 20 minutes of the hour, but call in if you like, when you like, and if anyone's on the line, we'll be happy to get to them. Now, again, as we've talked about during this program, the Las Vegas Thunder uh, brought winning hockey to Vegas, really sparked the love in this town, and no, no team gets or no city gets an NHL team like the Vegas Golden Knights if there hasn't been a, a really solid proof of concept before that uh, it's a market that can uh, support a hockey team and that desperately wants a hockey team. And the Las Vegas Thunder uh, and, and the uh, Las Vegas Wranglers were the focus group that uh, made NHL hockey in Vegas possible. And with players like Patrice Lefebvre and Ken Quinney, Darcy Lowen, I mean, there's just, uh, a lot of firepower and, and some really uh, prominent NHL alumni as well, either players who played in the National Hockey League or went on to coach or or take other roles in the National Hockey League. Todd Richards is an assistant coach right now, I believe, with the Nashville Predators. Uh, of course, Butch Goring still uh, works in the Islander organization with their broadcast group. Other alumni that were here, with like Curtis Joseph, Radek Bunk, uh, Alexi Yashin, there were big names in this town, but they're uh, big hockey people, big hockey hearts that stayed in this town, like Ken Quinney, like Darcy Lowen, uh, like uh, Bob Strom, and, and like Pokey Redick, and I'm naming just a, a handful, but there are plenty, plenty more um, that continue to make hockey special in Vegas. And we caught up with uh, one of them earlier today, Jeff Sharples, who is 
fifth all-time on the games played list for the Las Vegas Thunder. The defenseman had 44 goals and 123 points in 181 career games with the Thunder. Uh, Still active in hockey uh, community here in Vegas and very generous with his time to join us earlier today. Here's Jeff Sharples talking Las Vegas Thunder hockey. Well, as we get ready for Las Vegas Thunder Night at the Dollar Loan Center, the Silver Knights will take on the Calgary Wranglers and uh, a tip of the cap and an homage to hockey history in Vegas uh, and where the hockey culture in Vegas really took on some steam was with the Las Vegas Thunder. And to help us uh, remember and uh, prepare for this weekend is former Las Vegas Thunder Jeff Sharples. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, as, as I started doing a little poking around and I appreciated uh, you guys reaching out as well, uh, the Las Vegas Thunder heritage in Vegas is not just a past tense thing. There's a very healthy crop of alumni still here in Vegas and still impacting hockey here in Vegas. Yeah, there's actually quite a few of us still in town, Brian, and thanks for having me on. Um, it, uh, it's funny, we end up uh, getting together every once in a while. We play golf together. Uh, we'll do some stuff. Uh, Derek England's been great and Shane Knighty uh, kind of spearheading the Vegas Golden Knights alumni. So we help out wherever we can there, whether it's, uh, you know, we did help them with a, a Smith's uh, a gas giveaway uh, last spring or in their poker tournament or whatever they need. So the Golden Knights have been really great to the uh, the, the Thunder alumni and those of us that are still in town. And uh, we all get together, great uh, group of uh, guys and real cast of characters. And we still uh, see people around town uh, from uh, when we played. So it's it, you know we a lot of us have never left. We came and we never left, Brian. So, well, Jeff, you can give us tremendous context. We've already heard from so many fans over the course of the last week and a half. I mean, really, people who do this date was coming at the start of the year started trying to poke and prod for for what this was going to look like. But uh, fans still love the Thunder. They can give us their perspective of what it was like to be a fan at the time. But you can give us a great perspective of what it was like to be a player uh, during those early days of hockey in Las Vegas. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I mean, Vegas was, you know, it's grown in this big uh, city now, but it was kind of kind of felt like the Wild West when we got here. You know, you'd, back in the day, you'd see tumbleweed going down the strip or down on Fremont there uh, when we were out and about in the town. And and um, it was a lot of fun. It was, we used to practice, the Santa Fe had a rink, so we'd practice out there. There was another rink just over by Swenson that was tennis courts. And of course, we practice in the Thomas and Mac as well, but um, it was pretty crazy, really. Uh, a lot of support. Um, and I, you know, I, I've talked to other people about this over the years. Like, what, what was, why is there so much support for hockey? Because if you look at the Thunder, the Wranglers, uh, the Golden Knights, and the Silver Knights, there's a huge outpouring in the community for these teams over the years. And I think it's just goes back to what we talked about, you know, uh, being a service industry town. People are always giving to other people that come to our city and enjoy themselves. And so when our people, our locals, get a chance to go out and kind of let their hair down, for lack of a better term, uh, they really get behind um, the teams. And, you know, I think you probably see it with the Aces as well. Um, I think you'll see it as time goes on with the Raiders. Of course, with hockey, we're kind of lucky in one regard because not a lot of people, at least back in the day, had a hockey team so you know it was the thunder the wranglers and then of course the golden knights and all their success so uh pretty special to play hockey here uh driving down you know it's always good weather that was the biggest impact i think on a lot of us we were used to a lot colder climates but it was a lot of fun and the people made it just a great experience and that's why a lot of us stayed 
We're talking with longtime pro hockey defenseman Jeff Sharples and a former member of the Las Vegas Thunder. What was the reaction for a lot of you guys? I imagine maybe you've had conversations and it was a similar experience, but for yourself, you had played in the NHL with Detroit. You had played in some traditional Northeast hockey cities. The year before you were in Vegas, I believe you were in Kansas City, which also had a hockey heritage. But you get the phone call from Bob Strum. Hey, we want you to come out and be part of this new team in, in Vegas. Was that a jump right in for everybody? Or did for, for all the, the players who were part of that inaugural season, how easy was the buy-in from the get-go? Oh, it was really easy and a, a funny story. I, we were in Kansas City. I think it was around the playoff time. I think we were going out to play San Diego um, back in the day. And, uh, of course, we didn't have all the, the technology we have today. So uh, it was in the back of the USA Today sports section. I think under transactions, there used to be a little uh, area there. And it said uh, IHL Awards uh, Team Los Vegas, Las Vegas Thunder. And I remember looking at my buddy Flats, who I grew up with, Wade Flaherty, who's uh, now with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, there, works as a coach, uh, and they're basically their goalie coach director of uh, goaltending with the organization. I said to Flats, we're sitting in, I think we're on a Southwest airplane coming out. I go, Flats, I'm going to Vegas next year. And he goes, I'm coming with you. <laughs> the only difference was I was on an IHL contract at that time, and Flats was with the uh, with the San Jose Sharks, so he he was uh, already on an NHL. So it wasn't like they were going to allow him to come out here. But yeah, so Strummer called me um, in the spring, and uh, after everything got done, he goes, "Hey, Sharp, so would you like to come out and play hockey in Las Vegas?" And he started going through the list of names that we had uh, that he talked to. You know, another really good friend uh, that's in town still, and one of the original Thunder was Rod Buskis, Jim Kite. Uh, you know, NHL guys, uh, he was talking about this kid named Radic Blanc that he was going to have come out. Ken Quinney, uh, who, uh, boy, Gage is with the Silver Knights. Just then started going through this list of players that had just had really good careers, uh, whether it was in the NHL or just really good careers in the American League and the IHL. And, and he wanted to put together a top shelf team. And he had Clint Malarchuk, uh, you know, as our goalie. And we had Pokey, Radic, um, just a real cast of characters and just great guys. And, and, and so it was easy uh, to say, yeah, let's go. And, and when I, I showed up in Vegas, I'd never been here before. And basically after that, I've never left. So it was, it was awesome. And the head coach for that first year was Butch Goring too. That's another big name. Just, it, there was no trouble for the Vegas Thunder attracting big names by any means. I, I wonder though, Jeff, you know, the minor league hockey culture very different now than it was in the nineties and prior. Now it feels like a lot of these players are, are under a microscope all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like being a player and having again, that kind of fan adulation and uh, maybe being able to uh, play more of a, an in the community role of establishing hockey than maybe 20, 21 year olds do uh, in this day and age. Yeah, it was, you know what, I think one of the, you bring up a good point, Brian, like, most of us were in our mid to later 20s. We're 18 or 20 year old kids coming in like they are today. And of course, everything's a lot different. Um, so we were out in the community a lot um, and at events. And, you know, I remember doing a lot of stuff with Dare, uh, you know, back when uh, we'd go uh, to the schools um, and just trying to introduce hockey uh, to the community and to the kids. And, and yeah, you find it a lot different. And I think probably things are a lot more regimented uh, maybe today than they were back then. Um, I do, you know, one of the biggest things I think that coming from a Northeast market where most of the minor league hockey was played before out to the Western uh, side of the country in the 
a certain division was you were always spoiled. You know, you woke up every morning, the sun was shining. There's a lot of little things that turn out to be big things. And of course, when you went down to the Thomas and Mac and played, that rink wasn't an NHL regulation size rink. An NHL regulation size rink is uh, 200 feet long by 85 feet wide. Well, Thomas and Mac was 185 feet long by 85. So there was a lot going on in there. And the boards were almost like, a world wrestling federation turnbuckle and ropes and as, I mean, a, as you, a defenseman guys couldn't run away from you could they no they, and that was good you didn't you know if you weren't a great skater it was the kind of building you love to play in but um the, you know they took all the ice out of the neutral zone so it, it was really it was a fast game uh it was a physical game obviously and we had some real physical players uh you know not to mention we already talked about Kyder with darcy lawn mark rogers these guys uh, that kind of made their their living and being real real grinding type players, and of course the fans were really endeared to uh, the team. And and you know one thing Strummer did, Strummer you know was a really good hockey man. He he knew the game really well, but he knew he had to entertain. He knew the when they came in, you know we had Butchie Butch Gorin as our uh, coach, Bobby Bourne uh, as one of the coaches. But he, he knew people that needed to know the game, but he also knew that he needed to entertain. And so that's what, the, you know, the Thunder did. And, and like when I say we had characters, I mean, I, there's a list that goes on and on. But we had some of our guys go on to coach. I'll give you an example. Like uh, Todd Richards is still coaching today in the NHL. Brad Lauer is another guy coaching the NHL today. Um, and, you know, if I think of some more, I'll drop them in there. But these were really good hockey players that Strummer found and knew of. And, and then, you know, some of these guys have continued on in the game. It's been great. All right. A long time defenseman, former Vegas Thunder, Jeff Sharples. Jeff, I, I wonder how important it is. You've mentioned a lot of prominent names, but something that yourself, Darcy Lowen, Ken Quinney, Patrice Lafay, that, that you guys have in common is you stayed not just after for your career, but you played multiple seasons in Vegas. And that's also something that I think these days we see, there is a lot more, turnovers of either prospects going up and down there's trades it's a different minor league world as we've gone over but the fact that there was a group of players like yourself that fans could get attached to probably helped the sport grow in this valley as well yeah no for sure it did and you know if you you need look no further than what's going on with the knights just tremendous success but people get attached to the players and it was great. And it feels really good when people uh, have your Jersey in the stands or they come up and talk to you or they, they care, you know, they, they care about you. Uh, there's a, a connection there and you see that, you know, with uh, it's still to this day, the, the fans uh, um, that came out and the people that supported us, we have friends in the community. We met back in the day and we had, I remember a good friends of ours in, uh, in town, uh, the Nakaguaras, uh, now they're married and, and they're off with their own kids, but we still spend time with those families and, and other people in town. And, and that's really what Vegas is a special place. I think we really saw it after one October and, and with, when the nights got going, but you see this connection, you see that people connect with people like Derek England, Mark Andre Fleury, Ryan Reeves, Mark Stones, uh, Shea Theodore's, uh, you know, those kind of players. And so when, change which is inevitable in life but definitely in pro sports and hockey these people come and go it's tough for people to kind of uh, uh swallow that and and try and move on because 
there is such a good connection and it's not any easier for the players. Like, you know, I got traded up to Utah at the end of the uh, 96 season, I think. And that was really, really tough. Uh, Mark Rogers got traded with me. I mean, we both, you know, loved it here, but that's just the nature of the beast. And, uh, and was we still it see strange, it. Was it strange to come back as a visitor? Yeah. Well, we ended up playing Vegas, uh, the thunder in the playoffs and, uh, you know, we've had a couple games with them after that, but, um, you know, so we, you know, we had some chance to kind of come back to the city, but we both had places here and, uh, yeah, it was different. Um, but again, um, that's the way it is. And it was time, uh, that the organization at that time, uh, wanted to make some changes and, you know, we, we'd moved on and a bunch of really kind of, uh, foundation pieces of the organization when we first started, we're, we're moved on and they brought in some new guys and, um, and, and the Thunder carried on, but uh, we're, we're all indebted to, to the Stickney family who first, uh, you know, bought the team and to Bob Strum and, uh, for bringing us all in here. And, and to this day, we still see Strummer. Uh, he's here and we got a bunch of really great uh, people that, uh, you know, our little community is, is now growing. You know, you get the silver Knights, you got the golden Knights and you got, tons of hockey fans in this town wearing golden knights and silver knight stuff it's really cool to see we're at jeff sharples uh jeff you, you mentioned the uh the wild west feel of the ihl back in those days i wonder if, uh, if you have any favorite stories any favorite recollections of your time with the thunder that uh, that won't get anybody in trouble <laughs> well um you know what we uh we, I do have one story. Um, I, I Strummer might get a little sour at me about this, but um, we had guaranteed win night against, I think it was Fort Wayne. And of course, if we won, it was guaranteed win night, so no big deal. But if we didn't win, <laughs> they all, everyone got a free ticket to one of our future games. Well, we it's were up on Fort Wayne like <laughs> three to one or something in the third period. And, uh, or sorry, in the second period. And, uh, and, and they storm back and they tie it three to three. And Strummer comes in the dressing room in between periods, which he didn't do a lot. But, you know, the, back in the day, the general manager, I mean, he's around us all the time. And ultimately, sure. Strummer ended up being coach and GM. Uh, but Strummer came in and he grabs his stick and he goes to smash it over the garbage can. But Jim Kite's putting some garbage in the can and he hits Kiter on the hand. <laughs> and he's losing it because he can see guaranteed win night is going to be turned into guaranteed free tickets right. to 13,000 people for the next uh, Thunder game or future Thunder games. And he hits Kiter in the hand. Well, Kiter was six foot five. So <laughs> he stands up and here's Strummer with a hockey, you know, he's he, him and Kiter getting ready to go nose to nose because of guaranteed win night was going sideways, but uh, cooler heads prevailed, but just kind of stories like that where nothing was ever going to go uh, crazy with it. But, you know, here, here's one of our top defensemen and one of the toughest guys in the league. <laughs> He's nose to nose with our general manager because of uh, guaranteed win night going sideways on us. And, I think we ultimately, I think we lost uh, to, to Fort Wayne in overtime or shootout that night. So uh, things were not uh, great at the end, but um, everyone kind of laughs about it today. Um, everyone's just doing the best they could back then. And, uh, I, you know, again, talking about Strummer, he found the players. It wasn't hard to get people to come out here. And our division, you know, if you look at the Knights now too, but our division was Phoenix, 
San Diego, San Francisco was in it for a bit, Utah and Salt Lake City, uh, and us. And so all of us that were used to being on a bus and driving around the East Coast, and then Long Beach, I think San Diego moved up to Long Beach. We were on an airplane and we were flying around. I mean, we just thought we were jet setters. We couldn't believe it. We thought we were back in the show. So it was it was special, that's for sure. Well, after that story, luckily nobody's knuckles are probably calloused over well enough to handle that situation than Jim Kite. So that's that's good luck. Yeah, um, well, and Kiter finished the game, no problem. But yeah, it was one of the funny stories about things that people wouldn't have seen. Uh, I mean, we had all kinds of stuff when we were out in the community. Uh, we had, uh, you know, Clint Belarchuk is just one of the greatest guys, one of my most favorite teammates. You know, I mean, one of his deals with the with the uh, Thunder was his, uh, when he resigned that they had to buy him a horse uh, and, and stuff like that. So it's just character stuff with just great people and people we we still uh, keep in touch with today. And and the guys that are local, we 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 see uh, more often than not. Well, before we let you go with Sharples, you know, you mentioned so many of these uh, former Thunder players have just terrific stories and and Clint Malarchuk's life story is is incredible especially what he's doing now uh for for advocacy and, and mental health and things of that nature but you know anyone who hasn't heard you before or, or hasn't heard an interview with Jeff Sharples in a while uh may say boy he tells stories really well well that's because you do a lot of it uh enjoying orange slices is your podcast if I'm not mistaken and that seems to be a way that you're keeping in the uh, the hockey community as well on ice but uh you, you're you're helping to bring out some of these stories still yeah, well, we've got so a buddy of mine who's a headline comedian I grew up with. Uh, I grew up in a place called Terrace, British Columbia, and, and anyone with the Thunder that followed us over the years would would know that. But other people that are tuning in today wouldn't. So Ian uh, Bag uh, B A G G is a headliner. He's a comedian. He's been in Vegas, uh, and uh, he's all over the place. And we grew up, and he's a big hockey fan too, and he knows a lot of people throughout pro hockey, just like. I've gone across, come across a lot in my days. So we talked about this years ago. We put together a podcast. It's called Enjoying Orange Slays with Jeff and Ian. Uh, we do it once a week. I just find it on your on podcasts or uh, on YouTube. Uh, punch in Enjoying Orange Slays with Jeff and Ian. And, and, and we just generally talk hockey. Not all of it's correct. Uh, we like to have some fun. We keep it light. We don't take anybody down. Uh, but we've been, uh, we've been having interviews on for the last... Uh, Oh, I don't know. It's been quite a while now. So we were lucky enough. We got uh, Dave Gosher on with the Knights. We had uh, Darren Millard on. We've had uh, Clint Millarchuk on. Uh, Corey Hirsch, who also speaks uh, for uh, mental health and advocacy, uh, a former NHL goalie. There's some really good stuff. We just uh, talked to Clint a few weeks ago. Our most recent one is our buddy who we grew up with, Wade Flaherty, who's with the Winnipeg Jets organization. Um, and obviously, you know, in charge of one of the top goaltenders in the NHL and Connor Hellebuck. Uh, but we, we've got, we go all over the place. And, uh, uh, you know, we had Doug Hood on, my old defense partner back in Detroit, who's in with the New York Islanders now as an assistant coach. And we just have a lot of fun with it. And, I, you know, I, I said, we'd love to have you on too, Brian, when you can uh, clear your schedule and, and just talk hockey and share stories uh, with people that they might not know or just talk about uh, what's going on in the league and usually end up a lot in the Western Conference uh, because that's kind of where we live. But we try and get out everywhere and, and kind of discuss stuff and just interview ex-players and people who love the game. 
Well, that's a, that's a lofty list of guests. I'd be happy to join when, uh, when you guys got time for it, but anyone who's enjoying this walk down memory lane and the walk down memory lane that this week is uh, again, both, uh, past and present enjoying orange slices with Jeff and Ian uh, great to tune into wherever you get your podcast, Jeff, thanks for making the time for this. Uh, it really exciting for this weekend. Hopefully you have some alumni in the building as well. Boom, boom is going to be here. That seems we've gotten a big rise out of everybody, uh, but it should be a, a great night uh, for memories. And there's a lot to remember. So Jeff Sharples, thanks for hopping on. You bet Brian, anytime. And uh, it's a pleasure to talk to thunder. Uh, great memories. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. And that was Jeff Sharples who we caught up with earlier today. And, uh, again, just a tremendous storyteller and extremely generous with his time. And, uh, again, if you didn't catch it, Enjoying Orange Slices with Ian and Jeff is the name of his podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and as you can hear, the, the names of the guests that he that he listed, uh, a lot of VGK personnel make appearances on that show as well. But uh, really, really fun catching up on some of the – uh, memories of Thunder, his his time with the Thunder, and also, you know, we barely scratched the surface as best he can in 20 minutes. There's so much uh, to remember, and that's why we're looking forward to hearing from more alumni in the days to come as we get ready for Saturday's Las Vegas Thunder Night at the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, again, thank you to Jeff Sharples. I'm sure we'll hear more from him in the days to come, but uh, also from other alumni uh, around the uh, hockey world, and as uh, Jeff also mentioned, they are spread far and wide throughout the hockey world. A lot of players uh, finished their careers with the Thunder and uh, have made this place home. Others have uh, used it as the launching pad for uh, impactful careers in the game still, and then like Jeff, uh, some still telling stories and, and still uh, illuminating us to, to how it was back then, the wild western days of the IHL's Western Conference, uh, and and what it meant to fans uh, to fall in love with hockey at the Thomas and Mack Center watching the Las Vegas Thunder play. We will step aside. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on this afternoon's edition of HSK Today as we get ready for Silver Knights and Ontario Rain. That's coming up later this evening at the DLC. Brian McCormick. Here with you on HSK Today, 12.30 of the game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is Brian McCormick? Back at the DLC, Brian McCormick here with you as we get set for the Silver Knights and the Ontario Reign this evening. And for the Silver Knights kicking off a four-game homestand, and even broader than that, 10 of the next 12 for the Silver Knights will be played at the Dollar Loan Center. So again, a, a significant portion of the schedule uh, for the Silver Knights to try to make a move, try to right the ship a little bit. They are getting uh, a little bit closer to on paper, full strength, still some injuries to battle through. They're going to be without Mason Primo for a little while, Leighton Ahak for a little while, uh, Zachary Mananen a little while longer still. But they do get Braden Pahal back from the VGK. They have gotten over the last couple of, uh, over the last week, uh, Jonas Romburg back in the mix. Sheldon Rempel and Byron Fraze both went up for one game stint. They're both back uh, with the Silver Knights regularly. So as the VGK get a little bit healthier, the Silver Knights get uh, a little bit stronger as well. Uh, and tonight they go against an Ontario team that always plays them tough over the over the years, but an Ontario team that is really struggling right now. They've lost six of their last seven, a, a six-game losing streak that they snapped on Sunday in Coachella Valley with a shootout victory. The Ontario Reign have not won in regulation since December 17th. 
So they are not a team uh, that has scored a lot lately. They have 35 goals this year on the road. That is the second fewest in the American Hockey League. They are minus nine in third period. So while the Silver Knights have been struggling of late, the Ontario Reign have certainly been struggling of late as well. And for the Silver Knights, uh, an opportunity tonight and a need tonight to get in the win column for the first time in calendar year 2023. We'll have pregame coverage right here on 1230 of the game at 6.30 p.m. with Justin Russo and puck drop at 7 p.m on 12.30 of the game. That'll do it for today's HSK Day. Special thanks to our guest Jeff Sharples of the Las Vegas Thunder as we look forward to Las Vegas Thunder Day, uh, Thunder Night this Saturday, a 3 p.m. puck drop. Great seats still available on HendersonSilverKnights.com, HendersonSilverKnights.com. I'm Brian McCormick. This has been HSK Today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on this program. We'll see you tonight for puck drop and Silver Knights hockey. Have a great one.